0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by my two gaming dads. Guys, it is the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States of America, and it's episode 117. So I want to go around the room. chief. Thankful for Master Chief. Gary Whitta, you can start. Give me one thing you're thankful for. From of course Spartan one one seven Master Chief. Wait,
1: well, it has to be Master Chief related. Of course,
0: yeah. If it's episode one one seven, it's Master Chief related.
1: <sighs> I'm 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 thankful for the for the helmet. There we go. Which okay. I think is actually one of the one of the cool all time kind of iconic. Yeah. It's become one of the iconic, like even just from the silhouette or the outline, you you just know it right away. Yeah. Plus that gold visor. It's just you know, it's just cool. It just it's a good
0: looking piece of equipment i like it i like that gary that's that's a good one to be thankful for paris lily my gaming dad how are you and what are you thankful for when it comes to master chief i'm
2: uh, doing good uh what am i thankful for i am thankful for master chief and halo giving me some of the best and funnest gaming moments i've yes. had with my friends in my entire life I love that's that. what i'm thankful for That's That's a good one,
0: Paris. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with the the memester attitude, the young kids over here. I am thankful for all the memes that we got from this Halo series, Master Cheeks in particular. And, of course, Master Cheeks losing his virginity and having sex with an alien. Uh, I will never forget that, and I will always appreciate that. And so I'm thankful for you, Master Cheeks, for never wearing your uniform when you were supposed to.
1: Master Cheeks, that was a good one.
0: (laughs) I had to do it to have some fun because Paris and Gary brought two good ones. Of course, guys, we got a great episode coming your way. We're going to catch up. We're going to give some thanks. We're going to talk about the games that we've been playing lately. And of course, I'm going to give you the official kind of funny review for Call of Duty Warzone 2.0. And then we're going to jump in to the Xbox gaming news, like looking at a brand new or maybe a retro controller coming your way that you definitely want to know about if you're a 360 generation player and more because of course this is the kind of funny xcast we post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games and of course on podcast services all around the globe. Don't forget that kind of funny is now Epic Games partners, which means if you are upgrading your look in Rocket League, buying the season pass in Fortnite, or maybe buying some dope cosmetics in Fall Guys, please use our. Epic creator code kind of funny at checkout to help support the team in a brand new way and talking about support of course we want to thank each and every one of you who may be tuning in live to the show on patreon or that support is over on patreon like our patreon producers for the month of november thank you to morgan lorraine fargo brady christopher rodriguez the kind of funny destiny 2 pc clan Tall Tree81, Joseph A. Carlson, one up pest control, Carrie Palmer, Elliot, Brian Channey, Trevor Starkey, Super Daddy Kyle, Undertopian, David Mintel, the Mind Freak, Eric Velasquez, Scotty Wyatt, Alex Gertal Al, Al, Al Tribesman, the Predator. Jason L, James Davis at James Davis makes Mick at the nanobiologist Aberson, Ty, uh, Ryan T from Tennessee. Derek Gregg and Donald Eccles, thank you all so much for your support. And thank you to this week's kind of funny X-Cast sponsor, Shady Rays. But myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's catch up. I want to talk about it because the holiday season is now upon us. Of course, all of our listeners and viewers out there are probably getting an extended break from school and or work if you're here in the United States or beyond, hopefully for Thanksgiving holiday break. And hopefully they're playing some games. And that's what I want to talk about is games to kick off the show because I want to hear from you. What have you been playing? And what do you recommend to our viewers and watchers out there? And I'm going to start with you, Paris Lily. What have you been playing lately? What should everybody know about so
2: I got to get to something in a second that's going to be near and dear to Gary's heart. But I've, I have been playing Pentiment and I I wish I could have been on the episode obviously last week with, with Josh uh, to be able to talk about it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. When I first started playing it, I kind of didn't like it. And as I got into it more and really started getting into that story and just, you know, basically the whole mystery and everything that's going on with it, I just settled into what Pentiment is and I, I really appreciated it. I, I really did. So when I saw a lot of the early review scores come out and I was like, you know what? I get it. I get why it's getting, getting such high scores, but I also, you know, fall back to what Josh was saying in the sense that this game probably wouldn't have been made if it wasn't for game pass, right? It was more of a, more of a passion pro passion, uh, project. And it totally makes sense because I, I can get Pentiment not being for everyone. It is different but I'm glad that it exists, right? Because it's something that if if people give it a shot for for what it is, I think they'll really enjoy the the humor and the mystery and everything surrounding it. Now, the other thing I've been playing, and I know you've been playing, Mike, because I got to jump in with you, is Warzone 2.0. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I freaking love it. I freaking love it. I've been, you know, I've been playing with Danny and and re and and you know, and that whole crew, but, uh, playing Warzone, jumping in DMZ, jumping in quads has been fun, but you know what I, my, my whole thing's been, I I jump into solos. I've been playing solos and my whole strategy has been, I haven't won or anything, but my whole strategy is, I go into the middle of the map. I find a place to basically get my, get my sniper. I find a place to camp out. And I just sit there by by a loadout zone, you know, like a loadout drops or something like that, or a stronghold. And I just wait for people to go running for it. And I just pick them up, bing, 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 bing. And then when the circle gets too small, I come out of hiding and I go running and do whatever and I get killed. And I wind up being like 15th every time. <laughs> it's usually me, every time. But uh, having a great time with it. It's It's been a lot of fun, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But yeah, Mike, I, I definitely got to jump in with you and the rest of the Kinda of Funny crew. Watching you guys stream, it uh, looks like a blast as well. So I can't wait to do that but gary you're right and i apologize for not listening to What's you this now but uh i think was it two saturdays ago now one morning i was like you know what let me try out this vampire survivors thing oh, that everyone keeps oh man talking about. What,
1: did I tell, what did i tell you <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's is that is that crack. a video
1: game or is that a video game
2: <laughs> oh huh? my god like it, it's so funny, uh, you know. Like Danny Godfrey was talking about, man, you know what? This, it's a game of the year contender. Before I played it, and I'm like, really? I go, no, it's not. I get it now. I, I, it, I, I so mean, get that's it. the thing. That it, is, it
1: doesn't look like one at no. first glance, right? But once you start to get into the mechanics and you realize what hidden depths are there, it's a. It, yeah. I think it's a masterpiece, a little, little mini masterpiece yeah. of game it design. It is.
2: It really, it really is, and it's so addicting, and it just keeps pushing you to wanna get to a higher level. I've gotten to, what is it, 67? I think that's the highest level I've gotten to so far, but I, I'm, I'm so dig to see people that are getting to like in the hundreds and all that. I'm like, how the hell are you doing this? But it's fun. It, it's so much fun and just the different combinations of of things that you can put together um, is it, it's, is great to try out as well, obviously, with the different characters. But I get it now. I get why people say it's a game of the year contender because it is. I mean, honestly, looking at the Game Awards, the fact that it's not in the best indie category is a shame. That's outrageous. Damn shame. Because it should win, hands down. But th- that's what I've been playing, and I've uh, been having a blast so far.
0: Those are some solid titles, Gary. I'm going to let you piggyback off that because I know – you're about to preach some more Vampire Survivors for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been playing a, a,
1: a little bit here, a little bit there. Like I said, it's been hard to get time on the Xbox this week because my kids off from school the whole Thanksgiving week, and she's a Sims Four addict, and I I, uh, she's been hogging the Xbox all week. But when I can, when I can kick her off, or you know, actually the uh, pick up the you know a, a, a cloud device or whatever and grab it that way, there's you don't need to be you know shackled to the to the TV anymore. But I like, you know, I, I always like the big screen experience, even though again, like Vampire Survivors did not necessarily demand a big screen. Screen. still works best on a big screen um, and yeah just to kind of follow, you know, the, the, to, to follow on from the Vampire Survivors uh, love fest that Paris started don't forget it's also on Game Pass so like just go try it why not and even, and, and even if you like, don't forget it started on Steam this unassuming little $3 game it looks like nothing Right. At first glance you think, what the hell is this? It just looks like a hot mess <laughs> on the surface. Um, I believe, and you can still see echoes of this that when the developer was first putting together, putting it together like as a as a demo, um, they were they were basically kind of lifting sprites from Castlevania. Oh, cool. Just to kind of put in placeholder graphics. And you still see a little bit of that uh sensibility there. But like like I said, it is, I think it is a mini masterpiece of game design. Is it deceptively deceptively simple like it's very it'll just fight off wave after wave of, of enemy and you don't even have to press a button because all of the weapons fire automatically yeah all you got to do is move around with the thumbstick right mm-hmm. what could be more simple than that where it starts to get interesting and you can't just pick it up and just like you know power up your weapons but you, you'll only you'll start to realize that you can only get so far the way to, the way to actually make it through the level and survive the full 30 minutes on every level you got to put a lot. There's a the, the hidden depths lie in the the upgrade paths for the different weapons and understanding yep. that different weapons have different abilities. And not only do they have different abilities, but they complement each other in different ways. So if you upgrade this to a certain level, it might also evolve this other weapon that you have oh. and take that to the next level. <laughs> so there's a very there's and you can go online, I'm sure, and see all kinds of diagrams and guide build guides and stuff. But like. You wouldn't think that a game that looks that straightforward on the on like just basically a thumbstick shooter, which is what it is, has incredibly that like you can go into these depths of like talent trees and build guides and and there's so many different um, ways out you know out there to kind of equip your character and build them up. I was having a hard time with it because I was I was struggling to figure out like what the best build was. I went and played on Twitch. And with my audience, I said, you know what? Today, backseat gaming is not only allowed, it's encouraged. Like, tell me what to upgrade. I want to learn from you guys who have been playing it. Like, Tell me what to do. And they started giving me some of the tips. Oh, if you level up this, it'll unlock this other thing. And suddenly, I'm, like, super overpowered. And Paris, that's the the fun of it as well. There's always this kind of back and forth in terms of, oh, there's too many enemies. I'm barely surviving. But then you upgrade a little bit more. And now it's like you're OP, right? And you're having so much fun just torching everything in your path. But then the the enemies just keep coming and coming and coming. And it is like this endless swarm. It's so fun on so many levels. It has fantastic Twitch integration as well. I don't know if you've tried this yet, Paris, but on Twitch, it's not an extension or anything. It's, It's just built into the game. But basically when you turn on the Twitch mode, The upgrade path is left completely up to the audience. So every time you level up, every time you level up or unlock a treasure chest, you're given the option to, you're usually given a choice like three or four things. Which one do you want to upgrade next? You have to pick one of those things. The audience does it for you. So it's basically done by um, kind of democratic vote. And so it's 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 so cleverly done. I do I I personally don't pay too much attention to awards and game of the year stuff. I think, it, I think I think it's kind of overblown. But you know when there's when there's something you really personally like, you want to see it rewarded. And so I do think it got I, I think it's, I mean there's obviously a lot more game awards to be you know to come there's like 100 200 different outlets that do game awards at you know what are considered to be the big ones so far though i do think it got short-changed i was convinced that cult of the lamb was going to be the indie game of the year until vampire survivors came along Ooh. and totally blew me away and i think I, I i do think it speaks to a little bit of an unfortunate bias in a lot of these video games in that when it comes to like overall game of the, like i i would honestly seriously make the argument people are laughing at me I would seriously make the argument that the Vampire Survivors should at least be in the shortlist for overall Game of the Year. The thing I that I, the thing I've been saying all, all all along is, you cannot have a credible conversation about Game of the Year without at least talking about vampire survivors it has to be in the conversation it has to be in the mix but i think what happens is when you've got a game like that that is so unassuming and again it basically just looks like you know an (coughs) eight-bit kind of castlevania Does yeah it looked to look at it it looks like nothing it's only when you get your hands on it and start playing that you realize how much is actually going on under the surface and how and how clever it is um but i think when it comes to this time of year the big glamorous mega selling triple a looking nothing not, nothing against i mean actually i have quite a bit against golden ring but nothing against god of war ragnarok those games are fantastic and i think you also have, those those also have to be in the mix of course but i think there tends to be a bit of end of year bias towards the mega triple a multi-million dollar ones and and yep. like this clever little game over here that's just quietly you know blowing people away gets overlooked and i think that's a shame so you know what so what do we do instead Do we come on here and Take every opportunity we can to, you know, get people to play it. Instead, we become we become cheerleaders for it.
0: Yeah, that's what we gotta do. We gotta share the enthusiasm and all of the hard work that these developers do and share the fun, of course. I like that, Gary. Now, Paris, you had a pretty good one. I want to circle back. I want to talk about the game awards for just a second before I talk about the games I've been playing. You had a pretty good tweet because of course we're in that cycle again where we look directly at the game awards. Sometimes people forget that other outlets and other media sites are gonna do their game awards. And you know, everybody thinks that Jeff Key. Keely's Game Awards is the end-all be-all. I think you had a pretty good saying on what is the Game Awards. What should people really take away from what we're going to see with Jeff Keely and the team? So before I answer that, are, are you coming? I'm not. No, Greg and Blessing got to go. Not Mike. Only Greg and Blessing. You're he- yeah. You heard it here, folks. On the Con Funny X-Cast. Only Greg and Blessing allowed.
2: Well, I'm excited for Blessing to come. But who yes. cares about Greg? Why don't you take come his chicken on. and come?
0: Andy Cortez but- and I want to go.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dude, the reason I say that is cuz the whole thing I was tweeting about is I don't I don't take the game awards. Wait, what happened? Can you hear me? I don't know. I'm Sorry, lo- I'm...
0: yeah. No, they they can't hear you. This is just I was trying to make you full screen. <laughs> this is like a preview screen. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> okay. It. Okay, no worries. I, I I'm looking at stuff in real time. This never happens uh, with Barrett.
0: But <laughs> don't start him. Don't start. Don't start now. Don't start now. <laughs>
2: no, but the the tweet I was basically saying is as far as the game awards goes, it the opinions of the who gets nominated who wins it, it's all subjective there's never going to be a right or wrong answer to that look at the game rewards as just a celebration of the games and the people that make it and and just take it at that i mean the reason i asked if you were coming is I would be very excited to hang out with you at during the game awards. I mean, that's really the highlight for me being able to go um, last year and then, you know, get to go again this year is the people getting getting to see everyone and hang out and we'll all be at the JW talking before it, go to the awards afterwards, go to JW and then wherever. That's what excites me about it. I mean, if God of War wins game of the year, cool. That's great. We'll all applause. We'll, we'll be happy to see it, but it doesn't matter because to Gary's point, I'm still going to go enjoy Vampire Survivors. I'm still going to go enjoy Cult of the Lamb or whatever other game that I like. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of Horizon Forbidden West, I mean, which did get nominated. I was happy to see it, but if it doesn't win, I'm not going to be bummed out or upset over it. So I don't I don't see a reason... To, to argue about that stuff, go play the games that you want to play, go enjoy them. And, you know, just look at the game awards as a celebration, not to mention all the trailers and stuff that we'll see, yeah. you know, for future games that are going to be coming out in 2023 and beyond.
1: I think, I think it can matter to varying degrees based on what games are winning the awards. Like for example, God of War Ragnarok, again, I haven't played it. So for all, like, it might very well be worthy of game of the year, Every, all, in all likelihood it is. So, yes, that game should be rightly rewarded. But it's not going to make any difference to that game in terms of exposure or notoriety. Everybody already knows that God of War Ragnarok is sick, right? It's what sold five million copies already. That game doesn't need an awards boost. To, to, to reach the masses, right? Again, it's fair play. To the developers they deserve all the accolades, but it's not going to it's not going to help the game in any particular way. Again, there was something like Vampire Survivors, A Cold of the Lamb, or Stray, or some of the smaller games that. Are, that, that, that like, Let's say, for example, in 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 a, I, th- I think somewhere along the line, one of the smaller outlets it will pick, it will pick up some Game of the Year awards. If Vampire Survivors won, it gets not nominated, but if were it to win you know, a Jeff Keighley statue, yep. suddenly a lot of people go, oh shit, maybe that game really is. Like, and suddenly people are going to fly. That one game of the year, this kind of happened last year with It Takes Two, right? Which was my, I was so pleased to see that because I didn't think it would win. That was my personal choice for game of the year last year. And it won. And I think I, I think it probably picked up a lot of additional eyeballs. And I think a lot of people probably went and checked out It Takes Two After That was a game that was kind of flying under the radar. Everyone was kind of quietly talking about how good it was, but it was being overshadowed by bigger, you know, bigger named uh, titles. When it won game of the year, suddenly people kind of sit and go, wait, is it that good? Yeah, it's that good. And so I think it helped a lot
0: of people, a lot of extra people discover it. Yeah, discoverability on the big stage is right. Uh, bringing us back to the games that we've been playing, just so we can get to this review, of course. I've been checking out, or I played uh, Pentiment, just like you were bringing up, Paris. I really, really enjoy Pentiment. There's moments in that story that made my jaw drop and, of course, applaud <laughs> Josh and his yeah. team over at yeah. Obsidian. I am really impressed with that one. I'm also checking out Evil West, a game that released yesterday, uh, while you're hearing this, from Flying Wild Hog. I'm um, Halfway through, there's 16 levels and I'm actually pretty surprised at this title. I'm having a ton of fun With this game, of course, if you haven't heard of Evil West, it's a third-person action game based all about killer combos, driven hack and slash, with a little bit of shooting for combat. Uh, The world is themed around Wild Wild West meets uh, Van Helsing and vampires. It is a cool mix of this awesome cowboy versus vampires theme, but also at the same time, really killer combat where you're building up these combos and really working all these different arenas that you're fighting in. It's actually surprisingly a ton of fun. The story is kind of throwaway nonsense. Uh it is the perfect double-A game, is what I call this when I look at it. Is CGI cutscenes look very good. The gameplay is fun as can be. You can tell that they're setting a really strong foundation. And of course, the team at Flying Wild Hog has a f- strong foundation from previous games, but When you start to play it, you'll look around and go, oh, it's a little rough around the edges. Of course, if it had the big AAA budget, it would be much cleaner and all that jazz. But when it comes to gameplay, This is a fun turn-your-brain-off-and-just-smash-those-buttons game that really has captured me and got me.
1: This is my first time seeing it. It actually looks like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, when you're seeing this, if you're watching or if you're listening, of course, Gary is pointing out that combo-driven combat that I'm bringing up, right? There's a lot of tools in your arsenal. It's weird. When you read the Steam page, they call it a third-person shooter. I would not call it that. I think you are doing a lot more hack-and-slash kind of uh, melee-based combos. I was going to
1: say almost feels like a Devil May Cry Kind of game. Devil
0: May Cry is a good comparison right there, Gary. And so, yeah, you're building up these combos. You're fighting crazy vampire baddies from familiars to vampires to, of course, big bosses. And I do like the weapons in your arsenal. You have a big melee gauntlet that also adds electricity where you can stun enemies off of a shield. You can pull them towards you with a stun. You can dash towards them with a stun, which then leads into the big melee driven combo. Or you can sit back and relax and you can shoot with the guns. They don't do near as much damage, but you can kind of build that into your balance and play style with the revolver, the sharpshooting rifle. There's a flamethrower. There's a shotgun. It is actually a surprisingly really fun game, and I'm having a blast with it. It also has co-op, so if you want to play it with a friend. I might, you have, you can I might have to pick it up. And cause a little bit of chaos with it. It. Unfortunately, Paris does not have the co- the co-op that we want. Uh, of course, the host will get all the progression, all of the save data. The second player will get pretty much nothing. So don't go in there expecting that. If Gary's my number two, That's bogus. he's going to get any story-driven stuff out of this one. He'll have to restart everything. But it is a really fun time. And actually... Speaking of It Takes Two, Gary, this is a game that should implement the buddy pass, where if I buy Love the that game, buddy pass. you yeah. can get it for free and play with me, because if you're not going to have any story-driven stuff out of it, right? Like, if you restart your game and you can't pick it up at level 8 where we got to, that's kind of BS. I think, I
1: think it was really important that It Takes Two had that, because it yeah. wasn't like It Takes Two had a co-op mode. Like, it was a co-op game. That was the only way you could play it. Like, it literally took two people to play it. Yeah. There was no way to play it by yourself. So, you know, I, I, think, I think that was the right move. That I think the, I think the, the, the appeal of that game would have been severely limited if the only way people could play it is if they could find someone else that would buy it and play it with. them, yep, Right. Yep. Um, now, to
0: Joseph Ferris for coming up with that buddy pass system with his game. I think it made a lot and of really sense. Really pushing that forward. I think it's yep, a great idea. Yep. So yeah, if it's not on your radar put this on your radar. Check out Evil West. Maybe find it on sale or if you're really looking for something to play during the holiday season, maybe jump on this. But I'm having a ton of fun with it. I'm, I am am surprised. I didn't think I was going to like this game at all. Really came up on me and I've been having a blast. Uh, of course, I want to get into the big topic of today's podcast. That is your Call of Duty Warzone 2.0 review. Paris, it's awesome that you've been playing a little bit of it so you and I can talk about it. So feel free to jump in during this review. I will not be talking about about DMZ, I've only been playing Warzone, of course, <laughs> with the Battle Royale, so we're going to be focusing yeah. on that but, of course, the big question that I had Gary and Paris in the audience was can they, replic- can they recapture the audience and can they make this better than what we currently have with Warzone 1.0, right? And I am very pleased to say that Infinity Ward was able to elevate Warzone. They had a solid formula, and they were able to elevate that in really certain key spots to continue pushing the Battle Royale genre forward while also keeping Warzone right near the top of the big three of Fortnite, Apex, and Warzone is still in it, in my opinion, with Warzone 2.0. Of course, superb gunplay, solid Battle Royale action, and the small improvements to the already fantastic foundation that is Warzone are really pushing it and making it feel better and fresh again, right? The new map is awesome. It's everything that I wanted. New contracts make it feel new, make it feel different. Of course, the major issues, and I'm sure you felt it, Paris, is just so many bugs and connection errors. I mean, I want to give them a shout-out at the beginning. Day one, Gary, no queue issues, no connection issues. The game ran great. But there are small bugs within the game, whether it be visual, whether it be hitching, whether it be player-based where I can't use certain equipment, I'm buying the wrong guns for my loadout, whatever you want to call it. Like There are a number of bugs in this game, and even dev air crashes that we experienced in Warzone 1, that make you kind of bang your head against the wall and say, what is happening? I thought we would have made this polish happen throughout all of the time. I've seen
1: a lot did. of people posting their disconnects and and bugs over the oh, over the past few days. It's
2: tough. Don't Gary. forget the fi- finding being able to, to link up with a friend as well. That was. That was, honestly, it was terrible the yeah. first couple of days. I mean, I mean we, like, again,
1: who- we know this by now, right? It's kind of baked into the recipe. If you're going to jump into, we saw it with Overwatch 2 as well. We see it with almost every single big old multiplayer online game. If you're going to jump into a big multiplayer online game at launch, especially something the size of Overwatch or, or Warzone, you know, caveat emptor. You know, you, you may, you, I hope you have a good time, but understand that, the, the, you know, you're taking... You're you're taking your life in your own hands, and you you understand that the risk that you're not going to have a great time is just baked into the first, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes the first week or two, sometimes the first couple of months of a major yeah. service because they 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 can do every. I used, I used to say like, why don't you just just double the amount of service? It's as it turns out, it's not that simple. Network engineers will tell you that it's, <laughs> it's far more complicated than that to to keep these games stable. Um, and the only way to do you like you can do everything you you can, you believe is possible to make the game as robust as you can before launch. But until you flip that switch and let in however many, many million players, you just don't know what is going to happen. And then it's like constantly running to catch up with, oh, shit, th- we didn't, this was going to break, but it has. They've got to fix it super fast. And, you know, it, eventually they'll get to a point where it's super stable. But again, there is there is a... A, a, a certain amount of endemic risk baked into jumping into one of these games in the first in the first few weeks.
0: Yeah. And so for your kind of funny review score because I know we've moved in the scores on this, this is a 4 out of 5. No matter what. This is a great entry into the battle royale genre. They've improved upon Warzone 1.0 and Warzone 2.0 being free to play, cross-platform play, Yes, it has a lot of bugs going on here in this first week, but as of right now, this is a great return to form, and it is nice to see Infinity Ward take back the reins of this after what we went through, where we went through three different cycles of Call of Duty. We passed it off onto different development teams inside of Activision to where we are today of Infinity Ward's in charge of this. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to what this was known for when we were in Verdansk, Very, very good. And so I brought up the issues. I do have a personal gripe that I want to make clear right now, Paris. The helicopters suck. Okay, real quick. Activision, Infinity Ward, what are we doing? The helicopters were so much fun in Warzone 1.0 all of a sudden, you've added a new cool helicopter, this big Bertha that everybody can kind of run around in and all that jazz. That thing drives like a semi-truck. It doesn't even move half the time. And the other smaller helicopter is so slow. And I wonder if they took a lot of player feedback from people like me who were chopping up others and like doing dumb things in the helicopter. Most of the clips that I remember thing, you we posting from
1: Warzone war 1 was you yeah, doing, doing, doing something like, like riding shotgun in a helicopter <laughs> and causing <laughs> crashing it into things and causing chaos.
0: So that that's my personal gripe of like, hey, what happened with the helicopters? But to bring back the positives really quick, pair so we can go through them, the map. Like I said, the map is truly is impressive. Dope. Is it dope. is big, it's, really dope. it's diverse. Uh mm-hmm. it has some great iconic locations, right? High rise is in there, terminal is in there, rust is in there. You're gonna notice multiplayer maps that you're currently playing right now is in there and those are really really great they have fun reuse locations that you probably notice like the fire station is in there from warzone one you can see the same building lo- layout as everything that you can imagine right there uh Altered and improved contracts, right? Gary, we took the contracts that we had in Warzone 1.0 and maybe changed them up a little bit, deleted some, right? So right now you have Safecracker, you have, of course, the Bounty, you have Intel, and you have, of course, the King's Crown to bring back your team. But I really, really like this Safecracker. The Safecracker is fun. It gets you moving out of your comfort zone and it rewards you with high payout money. It also rewards you with guns and even uh, new armor vests, which I really, really like. Uh, strongholds we have to give a shout out to as well yep. the idea of adding npcs into the battle royale of course isn't new in the genre itself but the cool idea of putting in three large strongholds inside of one of the larger circles encouraging players to go there fight npcs who will mop the floor with you Paris, if you are not ready to battle them correctly and then enticing people of hey, maybe third partying on this stronghold, or if you and your team have the gusto, going after the stronghold, winning over the NPCs, getting your loadouts, which is a big thing, Gary. They changed up the Mm -hmm. loadout system. You can't buy loadouts anymore. So you have two options. One, you can win a stronghold and get your loadout if you'd like, or you have to wait until a very late game circle for loadouts to be dropped across the map, which you then have to go and battle for. Uh, A lot of people will bring up in the comment section... (laughs) Yeah, right? That's Sniper City for Paris. Of course, a lot of people in the comments will bring up, well, you can buy your guns, but you can't buy the loadouts, Gary. So you can buy a primary weapon from created classes that you have. So if you stack up cash, you can go to a buy station, buy a primary weapon, put it in your pocket, go battle. So that's kind of the replacement of buying loadouts. So that's been kind of an interesting change. Also, Paris, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. The 2v2 Gulag and proximity chat have all been a very great quality of life increase, but by will preference, but there's a you know proximity chat can be very toxic. So let's start off with the positive. Two v two gulag is a ton of fun. It's very cool. It's either you and a teammate, or you and a random battling against another squad of two in the gulag setting. It's very fun, very cool. It's also provided some great, uh, great content of proximity chat working where you say, hey, let's team up. And all four of you can get out if you kill the Jailer, which is an NPC with a minigun and turret on him, which is wild to like see. Like fighting a mini boss, Exactly. So you guys can all team up and battle them, which is dope. Proximity chat now plays a factor where, yes, proximity chat is fun, novel, it's different. We've always had those jokes of what would it be like in Fall, guys, hearing people go, oop, up, this is crazy, right? Can you right? imagine? And still so they should do it. And Call of Duty... It can be fun. It can be exciting. You see on the clips right now, people are becoming Uber drivers. They're going the non-violent you know, violent routes of picking people up, Good. getting wins by just driving people around, which is great. It's also fun because once you know the proximity of it, 55 meters, you know if a team is nearby, right? They're chatting it up. They're saying, hey, Gary, how's your day? It's like, okay, everybody gets on your P's and Q's. We know another team is near. Right. But, of course, Call of Duty and the internet being the internet, it leads to a lot of awful, awful language and some really, really bad words just being thrown around that just doesn't make it fun and
1: exciting. I, 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 like, what, and what do you do about it? Like, what's the solution? We still haven't figured that out.
0: I, yeah, I mean, the player reporting can only go so far. Activision and Infinity Ward says they're recording these games. It can pick everybody up. But, Paris, I mean, you can school me or you can tell me what you think, but, like, just the conversations in that just turn so quick and make it, make it easy for me to quickly turn off that feature.
2: Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse at the same time. I I love that the feature is there because (laughs) there have been some fascinating conversations and team ups that have happened because of it, but it's almost a thing of we're in early days where I think once the novelty of it wears off too much of the bad is going to come out for it. So, I'm okay with it now. You you go in expecting the worst, and when you don't get the worst, it, it feels like a good thing. But like you said, it's Call of Duty. It's the internet. Ultimately... Yeah, you know, we already know where it's going to lead. Now, as far as the gulag goes, I, I I love that addition to it. Um, it's come in handy a few different times. Being able to jump back into the action and, like you said, with proximity chat, everyone teaming up, you know, agreeing like, let's not kill each other, let's take the dude out, let's take the jailer out, let's let's all get out so we can get back and you know into the fight again has has been great. So I I love that feature. Now I'm telling you my gripe. I think Mike, I think you nailed everything perfectly with what you said about the good and the bad of Warzone 2-0, but I do have a gripe. My gripe is a few nights ago, I thought I was gonna play quads with Khalif Adams, Danny Pena, and Rihanna, okay. his wife. Okay. And all of a sudden, Blessing Adioye Jr. shows up and they freaking kicked me out because they wanted to play with him and not me. The so young I'll, God. I'll, I will forever hold that against Blessing. He <laughs> don't even know this. I'm just telling you this now so people can tell them if they want to. The older when generation the, forever getting usurped by the younger the generation. Awards,
0: <laughs> you put him have in a headlock. about him. Yeah, yeah, right away. That's funny, Paris. Yeah, of course. In quads, you got to kick one of your best friends out. It's like trios when that got introduced. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. The gameplay changes, right? You can tell that this is a more slower paced game than Warzone One, and that's what they wanted it to be with DMZ. Of course, if you've been playing that, that's kind of that escape from Tarkov mode where it's slow. Yeah. You're supposed to extract with loot and gear, and that's what Warzone Two Point is. is it's like as if they downshifted the gear or downshifted the movement right like no more slide canceling if you stim you're not getting a speed burst all of a sudden sure people are currently breaking the game with movement and stuff like that but it is a much slower experience Paris do you agree with that
2: no I'm in completely agreement with you and and that's kind of the thing some of the nitpicks and the negatives that we've talked about I, I'm having I'm having way more fun than I'm than I'm not, which which is a good thing. I feel like this is a great platform that they're starting off with. I mean, we're still in like the, technically like the first week of launch. So give it time some of the bugs, some of the things that we've seen, like, you know, like your complaint with the helicopter, this is something that they can fix in the game, right? The more community feedback that they get. Um, I am a fan of the way that the loadouts work, as you already explained, uh, you know, in a fantastic way. I think that, I think that works. It it encourages engagement It encourages high risk, high reward, which is what, you know, this mode is all about. So I'm enjoying it. And I've not been a big Call of Duty guy over the past few years but this warzone 2.0 specifically um is something i definitely see me investing more time into let's tell you this how much I, I i've been enjoying it i am a cheapskate when it comes to buying any kind of skins or any of that stuff and i and i bought a skin
0: i, I love did. it got he bought, me. he's got in me. he's in yeah Uh, Yeah, yeah, so I'm enjoying it. You say it so well, Paris, and that's kind of what I wanted to say at the top of this is this is a four out of five experience right now. This is a great step forward for Warzone. Warzone 2.0 is a great experience that is hindered by a lot of bugs and crashes and a, a lot of balancing issues that I believe can be fixed by this team, right? In time, this is only week one, in time I think a lot of this smoothness around the rough edges will be made, and I think we'll have a really great solid battle royale in the genre once again. That's, that's good. I
1: want to I get into it, into it. I haven't had a minute to, to try it yet, but yeah. I definitely want to jump in.
0: I, I highly encourage you to check it out. Just some other things really quick to note. The mid-game has been extended, so the matches feel longer, pairs. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they made a big effort on what is the mid-game really going to look like, and so you've seen in different videos, now they're splitting circles. Instead of one circle just constantly closing, they've gone to three or two to kind of break up that mid-game and give a little spice and variety to it. It does seem to drag quite a bit. I don't see those circles really causing more firefights. If anything, I see it just kind of slowly pushing us apart and then bringing us back together. So it does feel like they've extended it by making the game slower, finding out ways to make this mid-game just extend a little bit longer than it probably should. And I think it does need to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, Things that I would like to see improved, the money is lacking. It's all right, but it's just lacking enough where it is tough in that mid-game if you die and come back from the gulag to get your friends back, to get yourself some more momentum, to feel like you're really part of the fight. You're relying a lot on the ground loot, which is good, but not great when you're going up against Paris and his loadouts. And I think that (laughs) money needs to be elevated just a little bit. Some really fun ones, Gary, for you to check out is they have unhinged trios or the ability to add opposing players onto your squad so a cool one uh live chatter in the chat right now kevin a wanted me to remind you all you can actually use proximity chat to say hey let's squad up and you can yeah. add opposing players onto oh, your squad to elevate your squad okay not only team uh size but also of course gun power which is it's cool.
1: like survivor you start making alliances exactly. once you're on the making island alliances
0: yeah. is right so uh that is my review four out of five really please i love hearing that Paris is playing this, and I encourage everybody to go check it out and have some fun. I mean, free-to-play, cross-platform play. (laughs) play. You know what Warzone 1 is. Warzone 2.0 is a great addition to this Call of Duty lineup right now, and it's really bringing the energy towards the end of the year in a a quiet first-person shooter do uh, you uh do you drop money into these games? I know you've been a bit of a whale with, with yeah. some other games. Uh, I, I do drop a lot of money normally into this, Gary. <laughs> I do have a stance right now and people can hold me to it. You can clip this. As of today, one week in, my goal is to not spend any money in there and rock just stock. Camos and stock skins on my guns for it, the rest of the game. Of
1: we believe in you. We'll see.
0: We'll see how long we'll you last. We'll see how long that lasts. But uh, you know they do have some cool stuff right now. I still in the, remember uh, the, the g- first
1: time I logged into Halo League. Infinite, like the day after it had launched, and Mike was already maxed out. I had he bought everything that he could buy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: one thing one yeah. one thing uh, cuz you 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 lightly touched on it was the cross play aspect of it i've easily been able to hop across xbox and pc yes. being able to play this and it's just been seamless every you know everything's there all all my progress every, you know everything so That's great. i i'm really digging that as well that they've truly made this just a universal ah. platform game just go play where you want you know and and it's working great
0: Perfect stuff. Well, let's talk about toxicity in gaming and how Xbox is set to battle toxicity in gaming right after a
3: word from our sponsors. Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Look how cool I look. You too can look this cool without breaking the bank this holiday season. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 shades for a fraction of the price and a fraction of that price during their biggest Black Friday sale ever the best part about shady Rays is their insane protection program featuring lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your shades on day one they told us that they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked dropped in the lake off a cliff Anything. If you get the wrong style for yourself or someone else, no need to worry. Avoid the hassle and the forced thank yous with free 30 day exchanges and returns. You will either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. Act now for the best Black Friday selection. Redeem only at shadyrays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Redeem only at shadyrays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades.
0: All right, guys, welcome back. We just gave you, the listeners and viewers out there, the Call of Duty Warzone 2.0 review, and I brought up toxicity in the proximity chat, and we have a really cool one on how Xbox is battling toxicity in gaming, and also sharing their findings, their reports, their understandings, and how they're getting better each and every six months, about a half year they said, uh, with their... Transparency Report. And Gary, I know this is something you were excited to talk about last week. We had yeah, we didn't have room for it. And we weren't able to talk about it. And of course, we have Paris here to talk about it. But I do want to pull from the Xbox Transparency Report. This is on the Xbox Wire by Dave McCarthy, the CVP Xbox Player Services. He wrote... At Xbox, we put the player at the center of everything we do, and this includes our practices around trust and safety. With more than 3 billion players around the world, vibrant online communities are growing and evolving every day. And it is our role to foster spaces that are safe, positive, inclusive, and inviting for all players, from the first-time gamer to the seasoned competitor. Today we are releasing the first ever Xbox Transparency Report which puts clear numbers and explanations behind the work we do to protect our players and moderate content on the platform. We commit to releasing a report every six months where we will share updates on progress that we've made. So a very big positive statement here coming out of Xbox. The goals of the Transparency Report. To help educate players on making the ecosystem safer. Give more detail into what is and isn't acceptable behavior on the platform. Explain players' journeys when reporting bad behavior or being identified with bad behavior. I will encourage you, if you have not gone and check out the transparency report, they have a great infographic on what happens when you put in that report about a bad player or being reported, and it shows the different kind of uh, path of life of what will happen and how you will be informed if you've reported or been reported. And of course, where is Team Xbox on this journey right now? They say they have issued more than 4 million proactive enforcements against inauthentic accounts. Proactive moderation is up nine times from last year. Players have provided more than 33 million reports this period and content moderation moderation agents are on staff 24-7, 365. Empowering players to customize their experience how they want with improved parental controls, message filters, and more, no matter where players play in the ecosystem. Over 150,000 Xbox ambassadors are assisting and helping lead the way for a better place to play. Gary, this is something you want to talk about. What do you think about the first ever transparency report?
1: Look, toxicity is a is a major problem in online gaming, just as it just as it is, you know, out out there in uh, in meat space. And um, I think it's I think it, I think what they're doing, I think they should be applauded for a being transparent about it, and because here's it, it the thing: when you press. That report button—you have no idea where that's going, yeah. or if it's like, you, I press those report buttons. And goes, ah, nothing's going. It's not going to go anywhere. So at least now there's some transparency behind, like what actually happened. You actually see like a whole like workflow of. Of how that gets responded to, um, it's a it's a really really thankless task, right? Working in this area, like you know, I don't think you ever really get credit for the work that you do, but you know, all your failures are very visible, right? If there's if there's a troll or a Nazi or something, you know, in your in your video game, you don't want that, but they they can never catch everyone. It's a constant kind of game of, of whack-a-mole with. Uh, with, with hackers and griefers and racists and, you know, misogynists and you name it. There's so many different threats coming at them from so many different directions. Um, but I really, and I'd like to see Sony follow suit. I, the, the report makes really interesting reading. I encourage everyone to go read it. Um, I like that they've committed to doing this every six months. So it's not just a one-off gimmick. That's a, you know, it's an ongoing uh, commitment. And again, it's, it's, re- it's unglamorous, but very, <clears> very <throat> important work, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah, Paris Lilly as a, Parents of gamers, you praised Xbox for the parental controls. We talked about it on this podcast. We look at the Xbox transparency report. You hear Gary, what do you think over there Paris, Lily, of all of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was happy to see it for exactly what Gary was saying as far, as, as far as showing transparency, because my biggest gripe over the years with, with any of these, this is not just an Xbox thing, but just across the industry with these online platforms is you, you tell us to report something, and we have no idea if anything's actually being done. I think the more that these companies actually basically show us the numbers, show how many people you are banning, show us the repercussions of, of what's happening, you know, when people are reporting stuff, it is, that will actually encourage more people to kind of self police in that way to start reporting more about the things that happen online and all the ridiculous language and the hate speech and just all these crazy things that we know happen in, in online gaming. So for them to show those numbers, and it, I, I hate to say that I'm not shocked by that 4 million number, but I'm not shocked by it. Honestly, I'm surprised it's not even more, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, we, we still have a long way to go to kind of clean up just some of the toxicity that we see online but knowing that tools are being put in place and i love that they showed basically the flow chart of how it all happens when you report something what what the next step is through that process to give people a better understanding of it and like i said i think if anything this will encourage more people to do that and hopefully it'll discourage more people from wanting to be toxic online because they know there will be re- repercussions if they do so.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I like holding people accountable. I like the repercussions. And as you said, Paris, as someone sitting next to Andy Cortez, and we've played a lot of Valorant, <laughs> we've played a lot of different first-person shooter games, and you know, Andy's always like, report this guy, report that guy. And it just feels like you send it off to the abyss, right? Like you yep. said, Paris. And it is really promising to see the infographic of, okay, well, this is what happens. You sent in the reports. Now Xbox and their team are going to take a look at it, right? They're going to message you to say, hey, We got this. This is where we're at. We're going to let you know what we do with this at the end of it all, right? And then on the opposite side, if you need to be checked for bad behavior, you should get an alert saying, hey, you've been checked, and we're looking at this. We're going to have a conversation and at least know where you stand, right? I think it works so well for both ways of informing the person who is doing the reporting and informing the person of, hey, you're doing something bad here. You're being reported for a reason. You need to check your attitude or check your language, and you need to be better or Hold you accountable, and this is what's going to happen. I really like that.
1: Yeah, and it is, and you know, and it is always going to be, you know, trying to put out a four-alarm fire with, you know, a thimble full of water, right? The 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 the, the bad guys, in the end, I think, are always are always going to be one step ahead, unfortunately, because there's just so many of them, and they're you know, and they're very they're very aggressive and clever in their various tactics and ways that well, like I said, it's it's whack-a-mole. You, you you beat one, or you know, it's the same issue with hackers, right? You close one loophole, they'll find another. Um, so it's an, it's an ongoing battle. It's a never ending battle. Um, again, I just wanted to take this opportunity, um, to, I think, you know, salute and recognize all the people that work in that, um, in that, uh, part of whether it be at Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo or any, any company that, um, that has to police this kind of, this traffic and this kind of behavior. It's very unglamorous. It's very, it's, it's thankless work. But, um, I think like if you took all those people out of the equation, just said you know what, it's the wild West, let it police itself you know as as you know maybe that's what the direction that twitter is going as we'll find out soon enough but I think it, would, it would obviously would be a hellscape yeah. uh and games would be yeah. and games would be completely unplayable and almost completely un- inaccessible to children right yeah. for one if nothing else so um it's it's valuable work the work continues um i think if anything there should always be more money more more resources pumped into it like however much you're doing it's not enough you can always do more but again the 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 key word is transparency and i really like the fact that they are Shining a light and 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 kind of like you know opening the the lid on the box and saying Look, this is actually what happened. This is actually what we do. Yeah. I think is very is very useful.
0: Well, really positive stuff here. We like to see Xbox make a lot of great strides in the right directions with these certain initiatives, and we'll keep an eye on it. For the next six months, when the next transparency report comes out and we see where they stand, what are the big topics that they want to talk about. But for the first one, this is very promising as gamers. We're excited about this and looking forward to learning more. Uh, talking about exciting, Gary, I got some exciting news for you that's right up your alley. More controllers to add to your collection. Oh, goody. We are celebrating 17 years. Of the Xbox 360. And to celebrate this historic event. Hyperkin is making an Xbox 360 controller for you Gary Witta. The tweet reads. Today, 17 years ago. The Xbox 360 launched to much acclaim. Now announcing the Xenon. A replica of the Xbox. Or the, the official Xbox 360 controller. Licensed with designs for Xbox. For Series X and X. Uh, Series S and X. Xbox One, Windows 10 and 11 PCs. Full circle, back in control, details to come. So I do have some details from the Windows Central team. They said that the controller will be compatible with all of your Xbox devices and Windows PC. Uh, It will come in black, white, pink, and red models and include a 3.5 millimeter headset jack uh, and a USB-C cable. The release date and price are still to come. Gary Whitta, how many of these are we buying and are you buying these?
1: You know... First of all, I'm glad they're doing the pink one because I, I used to have the pink 360 controller and it was it was my it was my favorite really? controller. Okay, yeah. yeah, Um You know, I, I'm a little little nostalgic for this. It's, it's it's not if you if you look at the evolution of the Xbox controller from day one. You know, obviously it started with the Duke, which you know d- didn't last very long because most people didn't like it. I actually liked it. Most people didn't, and then they had the, uh, the the S version of the controller, which was the first one to kind of adopt this more familiar shape. 360, I thought refined it, and then Xbox One. And then to a, to a very minor extent, the <laughs> Series S and X controllers have taken it to the point where I I personally, again, yeah, everything's a matter of preference. I personally think it's the best controller
0: out there. Okay, okay.
1: Um, going back, I'd, I'd be very interested, because I haven't done this in the longest time, be very interested to pick up a 360 controller and see how it feels in the hand now, kind of retrospectively, having gotten so used to the the current modern design. Um, I You know, these are always fun, nice, fun... Gimmicks. Yeah, um, this team
0: did the Duke recently. I was going to say, is yeah. the,
1: the same people that did, the Duke, they did it, the Duke. It'll be wired, right? This
0: won't be a wireless I controller. I believe it's wired. I believe it's wired. Yes.
1: So you know, there's you know, there's always the issue because I think you know Microsoft are very, very, very picky about their um, wireless technology and don't Correct. license it out yep. to everyone. So usually when you see a third party Xbox controller, it's it's going to be. Um, it's going to be wired, you know, and, and, and I don't want to mess with. That usually is the killer for me. I was excited about the Duke until I saw the wire. And I was like, I just, who needs that anymore? Like the only way yeah. for me to use that, I, w- I could use it at my PC when I'm sitting at my desk. I use a wired Xbox controller to play PC games. But in my living room, you know, I don't want to wire. Tra- I've got kids. I don't want to wire tra- yeah, trailing across exactly. the living room. So it's kind of a deal breaker for me. But I like the, you know, I, I, I like the, the retro vibe. I, I, Xbox now is old enough, right? More than 20 years old. For there to be nostalgia and retro, and, oh, do you remember this thing? And you know, the the 360 controller, I think was you know at the time everyone. I think most people agreed it was the the the, the best controller. I, I personally never liked uh, the DualShock, and it, and it's nice to have seen it refined again. I'd be in, I want to grab one because I'd be interesting to see. I might have an old 361 just still sitting around in a junk drawer somewhere, actually, just to kind of see how it feels. I remember in general it feeling a little bit cheap and plasticky yeah like, i remember the xbox yeah. jewel button in the center feeling a little bit cheap like the build you're, quality on it right wasn't wasn't brilliant
0: as someone who has played a lot of ncaa football 2014 on um, my 360 because it's not on backwards compatibility team fix that right away please but uh i can tell you i've been using the xbox 360 controller a fair amount recently and i'm actually on the opposite side I don't think it holds up. Oh, really? I think the modern design of the new Xbox controllers have elevated that and made it a better experience. It feels too small now. With what the Xbox One controller and beyond have done, and it kind of just filled out the whole lining of your hand, I think it feels better.
1: Yeah, than and I remember a lot of people at the time used to complain about the D-pad on the 360 controller mm. as well. It was not a well-liked D-pad. Okay. So. You know, again, why why go back? Well, the whole point is the successive generations have improved and made the controller better. So why make a kind of retrograde step? It's nostalgia for the same reason. I mean, again, most I think most people that had the most people that bought that Duke retro controller is probably ten percent of people that actually liked the Duke. Yes. Like me and like even though people thought it was like a Uh. joke-sized controller, it actually fit well in my hand and I liked it. But it's ninety percent people that just want to have. It's a novelty. It's a a little piece of gaming history. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like me. It's up on my wall. I played Halo One. within, then I put it on my wall. This one on the positive, pair Lily, has the share button, which I'm very excited about. I really love that they were smart enough to put the share button on that. So shout out to... So that's Africa the thing is you, have, you
1: still have to incorporate... It still has to function as a yep. modern controller, right? So it right, has to have right. those newer features.
0: Uh, Paris, what do you think about celebrating, of course, 17 years of the 360 and putting out <clears> this fun little line?
2: Oh, no, I, I think it's great. Um, I had actually saw on Twitter, I remember... I think it was Jez Corden said something about they may be wired because scuff may have some, might be some licensing deal with scuff or something oh, like that where you're not seeing those as, as wire controllers but it but it's funny I, w- I was trying to find it while you were talking I I still have a 360 controller um and I'm I, I lean more towards what what Mike is saying I I don't I don't think it holds up. I think yeah. the design that they've done now is is obviously they've refined it of course but I, I think this just works better as a controller than, than the 360 one does. But I'm, I'm all for the nostalgia aspect of it. I'm all for doing it. Why not? I mean, you know, your, your mileage may vary as far as comfort and feel goes on that stuff. So I think it's great.
0: Yeah. Hyperkin, you can count me in. For a black and a white one, I'm swiping the card. For sure. I would
2: take a
1: pink if it, if it was on. I'm that, picking yeah.
0: one up for sure. I can't wait to play with it twice and then put it up on my wall. It's a collectible. <laughs> That's all that matters to me, uh, guys. Let's keep it going. Let's end the show with some news because, of course, we've been talking about it all year long. The Activision Blizzard acquisition. Yeah, some late breaking news Ray, John, yeah. and uh, Paris. <laughs> I need you to help me break this down because phase two of the CMA uh, investigation has got a lot coming out right now. Today, of course, a lot of people are talking on social media. There's a couple of key points that I want to talk to you about, and then some breaking news. Yeah, Gary let's Winner, pop that up that we're gonna have now before this. we went on air. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's jump out there, of course. These are polls from the Phase 2 documents, thanks to Windows Central and, of course, VGC. So here's some of the things that you need to know about, we need to break down, Paris. Microsoft's true strategy is to push Sony out of the 18-plus <laughs> rated shooter space. Quote, Microsoft claims that Nintendo's differentiated model demonstrates that PlayStation doesn't need Call of Duty to compete effectively, but this reveals Microsoft's true strategy. SIE statement reads, Microsoft wants PlayStation to become like Nintendo so that it would be less close and effective competitor to Xbox. Post-transaction, Xbox would become the one-stop shop for all best-selling shooter franchises on console, Call of Duty, Halo, Gears of War, Doom, Overwatch, as the decision explains, and it would then be free from serious competitive pressure. Paris Lily, what's up with that? Are they really going to turn PlayStation into a family-friendly console?
2: Of course not. I mean, the, the whole arguments that we saw in there is why this, this whole, and obviously we'll get into the breaking news, but... I'm just, I'm just so over it. I'm just so over hearing it. I'm so look, as much as we all love to see Phil Spencer out there talking about gaming and stuff like that, I'm tired of seeing Phil Spencer repeat himself a thousand times about Call of Duty and it not leaving PlayStation and now they're saying we'll keep it on there for 10 years cuz you know, he he doesn't want to say forever because things obviously change with time, but no. PlayStation's not going to become Nintendo if if this happens and by the way is it really a bad thing become Nintendo cuz last time I checked they they keep making you know record profits but yes. here's the thing when it comes to that from from an in-house standpoint I mean Socom sitting on the shelf Resistance is sitting on the shelf you just acquired Bungie who clearly is one of the best shooter companies if not the best in this industry so i don't think if call of duty magically became exclusive to xbox that playstation could not come up with a solution to counter that um obviously we know that it's not so it's a moot point you know i said this a couple months ago on the show i'll say it again to me this is all posturing it's big business happening for public display so of course they're going to say all these things because it does benefit playstation if this deal were to not go through but at the same time from a gamer standpoint and we we're just talking about this with call of duty it's not going to hurt me as a gamer because if i want to play call of duty on a playstation i'm still going to be able to do it nothing's really going to change in that aspect of anything i'm going to have more options to be able to play a game like call of duty across multiple platforms not to mention it's most likely going to be in game pass at some point which is just a bonus for me as a gamer so I am personally tired of hearing about this stuff. I am personally tired of talking about it because I think at the end of the day, and we'll get into the breaking news, I think the deal is going to go through. And I think it's going to be fine when it does.
0: Yeah, I want to go to the breaking news to you, Gary, in just a second. So just really quick for the other ones, the big polls, Of course, Game Pass numbers. Looks like we might have a little bit of a lead of Game Pass numbers. It says Game Pass leads PlayStation Plus significantly. Microsoft already has a substantial lead in multi-game subscription services. Game Pass has 29 million subscribers to Xbox Game Pass console and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and is expected to grow substantially substantially in the future. The multi-game subscription tiers of PlayStation Plus considerably lag with fewer than redacted the number of subscribers. And then finally, of course, Paris brought it up. The Call of Duty offer extends from three years to 10 years. Uh, It says they increased that to try to be a little more workable with that team. And that is the rundown of that. Gary, we have some breaking news, though. In regards to all of this, coming from Politico that you pointed out here, I'm going to read this verbatim right off of the report from Joss Cisco that says, the Federal Trade Commission is likely to file an antitrust lawsuit to block Microsoft's $69 billion takeover of video game giant Activision Blizzard, maker of hit games Call of Duty and Candy Crush, according to three people with knowledge of the matter. A lawsuit would be the FTC's biggest move yet under chair Lena Kahn uh, to rein in the power of the world's largest technology companies. (laughs) It would also be a major black mark for Microsoft, which has positioned itself as the white knight of sorts on antitrust issues in the tech sector after going through its own grueling regulatory antitrust battles around the world more than two decades ago. A lawsuit challenging the deal is not guaranteed and the FTC's four commissioners have yet to vote out a complaint or meet with the lawyers for the companies, two of the people said. However, the FTC staff staff reviewing the deal are skeptical of the company's arguments, those people said. Gary, with a little bit of back and forth here, you're saying it's going to be blocked, but then they're saying, hold up, they haven't done anything yet. What's the deal? I mean, I'm I'm no
1: expert on on the legal processes here on the FTC or antitrust, and it, it, it sounds like this is this isn't as big a bombshell as um, them filing the suit, but the fact that there seems to be kind of credible um, uh, news that they're at least considering doing so and looking very closely at it. I'm sure there are people at Microsoft that aren't thrill right right as they're packing up to leave for thanksgiving they got to deal with this now the, t- the timing is not the best either um as the article notes is not the first time that microsoft and antitrust have, have been a thing a couple of decades ago as I, as I recall it was a much bigger deal and that was to do with the bundling of you know internet explorer being shipped with every copy of windows and trying to push other um uh, uh browsers out of the market and it was a, that was a, and didn't, that did not end well for Microsoft, right? They had they had to change their in, the the way they did business as a result of that. This, I mean, again, I'm not an expert. I don't want I don't want to speak out of my my area of expertise. Um, I think to, to your earlier point, I think some some of the stuff, the war of words that's been going back and forth between Sony and Microsoft in recent days, uh, has been has been rather silly on both sides. From Sony with you know what come across as like tin foil hat conspiracy theories about you know they're trying they're trying to turn us into Nintendo, to Microsoft trying to argue that Call of Duty really isn't that big a deal. Um, it's, it's kind of silly, um, and I, I suspect that um, a sober. Uh, judge would you know see those arguments for what they are and I don't know is this going is this going to end up in front of a judge or or not is there going to be like a massive court case that we you know we're following from from one day to the next um I don't know you know the holidays are on the way I suspect this is something that won't come into greater focus until uh, the new year um but yeah it, it does seem like a you know the this the, the specter of is, is some kind of regulatory action going to get in the way of this thing? It's already been playing out to some extent in the UK and Europe and different yep. territories around the world. But obviously here at home in the US, the FTC, uh, there be even being a credible story that they're even like, even like looking at it um, is, I, I'm sure, the cause of uh, frayed nerves at Microsoft today.
0: Paris, what are your thoughts on this? Because you brought it up earlier, the posturing that we've been talking about all year long. Of course, that was expected from both sides, right? To kind of play it in their favor and say it like it is, but also make sure that it looks a little bit better on their side. Now you see this, of course, nothing has been confirmed yet on this Politico report. But does this, on the looking outside, does this feel like this deal is going to get blocked? Could this be a major issue here?
2: i mean again my personal thought no i don't i still don't think it gets blocked because i think you know we're we're talking 70 billion dollars they should be skeptical they should be looking into this with a fine-tooth comb they should be holding microsoft to the fire about this and, and answer some tough questions and make sure that this does not become a monopoly you know in the gaming sector so i think all of the concern over it is is valid but just like the article said it Could happen, it might happen. It's not even, you know, technically been looked at yet. They've not even talked to Microsoft's lawyers yet. So, this is all really a lot of speculation from it. And I'm not trying to say this like, oh, we need to defend Microsoft and no, you know, it needs to go through. If the deal got blocked and there's valid reasons for it to get blocked, then so be it. But until they officially sit down and start talking about this, I, I, I treat this as a lot of hearsay and speculation. Again, I have yet. And it's funny because uh, phil spencer was on what was it uh decode decoder or wherever is the verge you know with Neil patel talking about you know this before obviously this news came out and he even said himself where, where, where we've not seen anything yet that would raise a, a giant red flag on why this should not go through i've honestly only seen and look your mileage may vary on what you think about xbox and microsoft but I've only seen positives as a gamer that if a lot of these Activision titles came under Xbox Game Studios and the benefit of getting them on more platforms and getting them into their subscription service, which everyone here really likes, that's only a plus for me. So I don't see how that's anti-competitive. You're keeping the games on other platforms. You can still go buy them on other platforms. But if you so choose and wanna take advantage of of any perks that Microsoft has, then you can do that too. It still comes down to an individual consumer having choice. I don't see them taking anything away. From from a gamer, if this were to happen, and that, yeah, that would be or, my thing,
1: or giving them an unfair advantage. I mean, again, two decades ago, and again, I'm no expert. This is a complete right. lay speak. But two decades ago, when Microsoft did get into trouble with the kind of the web browser monopoly, I understood what that was about because Microsoft has tremendous power in the PC space. Like Windows ships with like nine, like nine out of ten computers in the world, and that gives them a tremendous amount of power. When they, if and when they abuse that power, they need to be checked, and that's that's what happened. Uh, back in back in the day, this doesn't seem like anything like as big, like literally anything like as big a deal. This is it's 69 billion. Yeah, it sounds like big money, but like in the overall gaming world, it's actually not that big. It's not like Microsoft buying Nintendo, right, and instantly kind of like multiplying <laughs> yeah. their Microsoft their their, their their market share and leapfrogging Sony and and now now having so much power in the marketplace that it's that much more difficult for Sony to compete. But, you know, Microsoft's buying call you know, what are the what are the big properties there? Call of Duty, Warcraft, um Candy, Candy Crush, Crush. Yep. and 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 a handful of other like very respectable titles. Is it gonna fundamentally remake the gaming landscape, the gaming business marketplace in a way that is now unfair for Sony and they're powerless to fight back? No, of course not. I don't think so. And if that's, again, I don't know what the, what the actual kind of legal issues around, around this particular antitrust case would be, but as just I understand what this deal is and what it means. It doesn't seem to me like it's going to be seismic in a way that, that, that puts Sony in a position where, it's, where they can no longer compete.
0: Right. Alright, well there you have it. A little update for, of course, this Blizzard Activision acquisition that we have been uh, so patiently waiting on and following throughout this year. And it seems like it will continue to rage on past the holidays and into the new year, I'm sure. But uh, we'll keep you up to date with that here on the X-Cast anytime we have some new breaking news. But this has been another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny on behalf of my two gaming dads, Well, thankful for you, kind of funny best friends. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. No matter where you are around the globe, call somebody up, let them know that you are thankful for them in your life, and tell them something nice this weekend. And then go play a bunch of video games. We'll catch you back here next week. Goodbye, gamers.